Welcome to the IT Experience Podcast. This is a podcast for those who are interested in IT experience management in large enterprises. If you use ServiceNow or other enterprise service management system to provide services to employees, then this is for you. Brought to you by Happy Signals. More smiles, less time wasted. Hello and welcome to the Happy Signals IT Experience Podcast again. Today on the show, we have a guest that has been on the show before as well, somebody we know quite well from a few years back now, Karen Ferris. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's very nice to have you again. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners who don't know you yet and tell a little bit about uh, what you do and who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So, as I said, I'm Karen Ferris. I'm based out of Melbourne, Australia, where I run my consultancy company, which in in essence has, um, well, there's KarenFerris.com, which is my practice for organizational change management. And there's also McCanter Consulting, which many of the listeners probably know me for, which is the service management arm of, of, of what we do originally from the UK, as you can probably tell by the accent, and uh, migrated or emigrated to Australia in 1998. And it was service management that brought me brought me out here. So, um, yeah, very grateful to that. I love that industry. <laughs> Today's topic on the podcast uh, will be, uh, we'll speak a little bit about remote work and resilience. And the topic is what's wrong with remote work? And you've been speaking about uh, remote work and resilience and what they have to do with each other. So would you just like to introduce the audience as well, how you see those two being related? Yeah, absolutely. So I was talking about resilience well before we even knew what COVID was. Um, And I believe that's a word now that's been what used so widely since um, we've had the pandemic, and I think it's really lost its purpose and value. Um, I was talking about resilience in the workplace, particularly in the face of constant and uncertain and unexpected change. And of course, March 2020 was exactly, exactly that. Um, and we had totally unexpected change happen to us all in some way or, or another, uh, where many of us, um, particularly knowledge workers, uh, had found that we had to work suddenly work remotely. And I think the reason resilience is used so widely now as a term is that although we had our challenges and obstacles and everything else that was going on, generally, and I am generalizing, we saw resilience in people. People made an office at home out of the strangest places. Um, and, you know, businesses kept going for two, two and a half years while people, you know, worked remotely. Um, so I think the two go go hand in hand. And, you know, in answer to that question, what's wrong with remote work? Nothing It's my answer to that. <laughs> It is, the, it is interesting that uh, remote work, all the companies or most of the companies made it work really well during COVID. And we also see that from our benchmark data, that while it took some time in the beginning, it was technical issues that needed to be fixed. And once those were fixed, then you started getting the practices and, and it really started to work in a, in a way that was good. But something you've been speaking about on online as well is that there's the 
question around why are we then seeing all these different requests for returning to the office? Do you want to speak a little bit about that and how you see that happening? Yeah, um, it's one of those things that frustrates me so much to see what organizations or many organizations are doing. I think if anything came out of the pandemic, it presented us with one of the greatest opportunities we might ever be presented with um, to look or relook at the way in which we work. And we have seen that remote work works. We proved it. Businesses kept going. With the research is out there, the data saying it all. Employees were just as productive, if not more productive, working from home. Yes, there was challenges, etc. Um, but you know, the data, like I said, the data's out there. Flex jobs uh, had a a pulse check last year, and 97% of the respondents said they want some form of remote work going forward. And 57%, and it's not the only data that reflects this, but or research, 57 said they will leave if they don't have some option to work remotely. Now, yeah, that they might be slightly inflated figures because of flex jobs obviously supports flexible working but I've seen lots of other data that supports that as well um so employees are saying we want still some option um I think there's employers calling people back because it's all too hard um the working models going forward take some time take some thinking about um but I think some of the reasons the reasons they're giving is like oh well you're not going to be as productive if you work from home well we know we were productive working from home so that doesn't stand as an argument um oh well we've got all this real estate yeah so what do something with it that's not an excuse to force me back into a, a chair in a desk at a desk um oh well you can't be connected if you work remotely Yes, we can. Some of the greatest companies that innovate and have a connected a workforce are either totally remote or partly remote. So connection doesn't, I mean, you know, Sakari, I mean, I could sit in an office that's really, really busy with lots of people around me and feel totally lonely and isolated. Connection just doesn't happen by sitting me next to somebody. Connection has to be intentional. I can do that remotely or I can do that physically and then the biggest one that really gets me going is when they say oh well it will impact our culture culture does not live in an office yeah culture is a set of shared beliefs values experiences and yeah when people say you know oh it'll impact the culture well I'll tell you if you think that then you didn't have a good culture to start with so you know it's just the excuses just have no no foundation sorry the reasons just have no foundation and i think there's only i wrote an article i I won't go into detail but i said there's five reasons to really go back to the office one is your preference if you prefer to work in an office knock yourself out go for it better technology better internet connection whatever it might be better activity-based working um if it purpose, if it gives you a sense of purpose as a team or an individual, do it. Participation, if it helps with participation to be co-located, um, to do you know high energy innovation sessions or brainstorming, then do it. If it's going to be more productive for you to be as an individual or a team in the office because you've got 
collaboration spaces or focus working spaces, whatever, then do it. And fifth, party. If you want to get together and celebrate something, do it. But they're the only reasons I think you should go back to the office. Uh, it's a really good list. And something that uh, stands out to me from that is the intentionality. Like, is there, like, what is the intention? Is there an intention to, uh, from the leadership and from the employees to actually make remote work and be functional, highly functional and create that productive uh, working environment? So is there maybe a disconnect there that uh, the companies that say that we need to call people back to the office, there isn't actually a real intention to try to make remote work uh, more functional? No, you're absolutely right. It's just let's let's put our head in the sand. Let's hope it'll go away. Let's go back to the way it was pre-March 2020 and everything will just be hunky-dory. Well, we know it's not going to be. And it's those organisations that are just not even trying. Um, and, and you can tell those organisations that are not trying are the ones that are saying, come back into the office for two days a week. Because they think that's going to say, oh, we're, we're flexible. You can work remotely, but you have to be in the office two days a week. Why? Why Why do I have to be in the office two days a week? Maybe last week it made sense because I, I wanted to co-locate with some people on a particular project. But this week it makes no sense. So that's not flexibility. And flexibility is not saying you have to be in the office Wednesday, Thursday. Why? I have so many people saying to me, I'm sitting in the office and I don't get why. I could have done exactly what I've done all day, working from home, and I could have saved two hours commuting. Yeah, we'll we'll put your list of five points. I think that's an excellent place to go to uh, and sort <laughs> of uh, reflect on, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? And what is your recommendation for organizations that would want people back in the office, but do get a lot of pushback from employees? Yeah. I think basically stop it. There's a pushback for a reason. You know, then the people, when you see how the, you know, the percentage of people who say, I still want some sort of form of remote work or some option, and I want to have the choice, don't dictate it to me. So as I've said, demanding a return for two days or specific days is not being flexible. It's not providing autonomy to employees. And and, and that's the key that, the working models that work are the ones that give people autonomy and flexibility. So I have a choice of how I leverage that flexibility. Um, and if you're demanding people back in the office, it's it just a, you know, a caution because we've been talking about the great resignation. I talk, talk about the great reflection where people are voting with the feet and if you know, we've just said, you know, 57% of people said, I'll leave if you don't provide me with a, a remote option. Um, and if you know, over half of your workforce decides to walk, that's pretty dangerous. So, I think the organizations that are demanding people back into the office have to have a rethink and listen to what employees are saying. As I said, they're pushing back for a reason. Um, sit up and recognize that this is a new era of work there is no going back period there is no going back um and this is the time to co-create co the working model so we know that the leaders of the organization have 
well, the whole organisation has business outcomes to achieve. That doesn't go away. So listen to what employees are saying and is what they're asking for still going to allow you to achieve those business outcomes? If so, everybody's happy. If they won't allow the business outcomes to be achieved, then there's some middle ground that has to be found to enable that. Um, so this isn't employees just being, you know, anarchy. This is them saying, we think there's a better way of working. We've actually found it. We've experienced it for two and a half years. Can we continue to do that? So employees will work, um, you know, with people, uh, with the leadership of organisations to find a working model that works for, for everybody. That's a really good point. And I think the co-creation part is something that um, we often speak about humans as the best sensors that you could be making all the different collaboration tools available, have the best internet connections, the best uh, video conferencing and uh, unified communications tools, um, different types of uh, virtual whiteboards, but it's actually not that that makes the difference. It needs to be something where the employees are listened to so that they can also express what makes us productive, what is what are the things that would make work frictionless for us now as an employer, yeah. then those are the things you could go after because the humans uh, that are working in the organizations are really good at knowing what they need to actually be productive, whether it is in the office or in the remote environment. Exactly. And, and that's such a good point because Gartner recently came um, from that from research they did said there was five, five aspects of the they called it hybrid. I don't say hybrid anymore because that's only two things. Um, we have a multitude of options. Um, but they came up with a number of reasons why remote working models really work, the ones that are really successful. And the first was they're not location-centric. As soon as you say two days in the office or certain days, it's location-centric and it can't be. It has to be location-flexible. You can work wherever you like, as long as you deliver outcomes. The second was what you've just said, Sakari, human-centric design with the human at the core of it. You know, like you've got all the technology in the world that we want, but it's about the human that's at the core. Flexibility and autonomy was the third one, which I talked about. The fourth was accountability, that, you know, employees and teams have to be accountable for achieving business outcomes in the best way. It's not about saying, no, I'm going to work from home full stop and I'm not going to go to near the office ever, ever again. No, you're accountable for delivering something and you do that where you are performing at your best. And then the, the fifth one was employee input. Don't do it in isolation. You've got to talk to employees. You know, if they're pushing back, there's a reason, like I said, to find out what it is. You know, it's not, it shouldn't be radical, should it? Ask people what they want and have a discussion, have a conversation. But yeah, it's still, it's still coming out as the fifth thing that makes a working model successful. What would you say would be the biggest uh, takeaway? It's sort of, is it, is it about the human aspect of it? Is that sort of like the one thing that have a human connection? Yeah, human, the people, people first and foremost has to be, has to be, there i mean if you have that as a value then you do talk to people and you do listen to them and you do co-create um i think there has to be also a recognition that this is new this is uncharted territory don't sit back and wait for somebody else to come up with a working model and then think that you've got a cookie cutter because there won't be 
this is different for every organization. This is about experimenting with people in the organization and knowing that you're not going to get it right first time and evolving. And I think the other one, the third one, I know you only asked for one, but the, the third one probably me is to have the courage and integrity to unlearn and relearn. It takes courage to say, I need to unlearn something. The way I did it yesterday will no longer work today. And the integrity to admit that. And I think that's what's failing most organizations at the moment, that we have leaders saying, I'm not prepared to say that the way we did it yesterday was not the right way and to relearn how to lead. That's a really good good way to um, end up um, the conversation today about this uh, topic. And um, you do help uh, large organizations with this process. You do help them go through this change into the new ways of working. So if um, somebody would want to find more of your writing or work with you, how what's the best way to find you online? The best way is um, karenferris.com. And that's my my business website um, and also LinkedIn. Perfect. So any listeners wanting to reach out to you, let's go ahead and highly recommend it from our side as well. Um, As we always say at the end of the podcast, uh, stay safe and stay happy. Thank you for coming on the show today, Karen. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you like this episode, giving the podcast a review helps others find this content as well. You can also visit our YouTube channel or our learning center at happysignals.com for some more video content. Join hundreds of like-minded IT professionals who have passed the free ITXM certification course on itxm.academy.